welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Iman Maharzi. She has lived several lives as an auditor, investor, mentor, investor, buyer, business leader, entrepreneur, volunteer, sponsor, and board member. In 2018, she came to a double conclusion that women entrepreneurs suffer from a real lack of funding for their projects and money taboos affect women's ability to project themselves personally and professionally. Faced with this and based of economic and social potential, rich in her experience and guided by a humanist vision, Iman created Own Your Cash, an educational platform whose mission is to stimulate women's economic independence. Welcome to Women to Women podcast. We're so excited to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So for our listeners, if you can just start what you do today and how did you really get here? Ooh, um, I hope your listeners have um, a hot cup of tea or coffee or an ice cream. <laughs> so the short version would be that uh, I work today in um, a mix of uh, finance and entrepreneurship. I support women entrepreneurs in their ventures in different capacities as a mentor, as an angel investor, as a board member, as an advisor. And I really do the best I can to help entrepreneurs with a very strong social or environmental positive impact to thrive, either in pro bono systems or one-on-one support. How I got here is through succession of random events. You know, when you you read famous people's biographies or when you talk to people so I'm I'm nearly 45 now huh? nearly 45 years old uh, so I started working early 2000 late 1990s uh, early 2000 when you look at these biographies or when you talk to people who were working say in the 60s or 70s there there weren't that many people who had super definite career plans and they always saw themselves doing whatever it's as if uh, they had to have everything figured out when they were 15 and they had everything prepped and they stopped learning whatever at age 12. And no, that's not how it works. I think there's a fallacy that you should have everything planned. I was raised in, in, in France. I was born in Algeria, in North Africa and, and raised in France. And honestly, my friends who are from the US um, used to amaze me when uh, I I talked with them in my early 20s because they had these plans and they had these lists, you know, of things to do before 25. And and it it looked, you know, super in control and everything. Honestly, my own experience of life and all the things that I read and all the people that I, I talked to, that's not how you live. That's not how you live. You can have intentions, of course. You can have a general direction or a passion or not even a passion, but just curiosity. The way I made pretty much all my choices is to follow people whom I liked or whom I felt I had a connection with. And sometimes for, uh, you know, very positive outcomes, sometimes it didn't turn out so well. But at least I know now what triggers me positively or negatively. I hope the hot tea was good. But, you know, you mentioned something um, very interesting. So mm. you were born in North Africa, you were raised in France, but you had a lot of friends in the US. So you have actually been exposed to a lot of different cultures. How has that mobility and that global exposure to all these cultures changed your perspective? So I haven't moved personally, I moved professionally. So I worked abroad a lot. But my base camp, and I like to call it that way, my base camp was always in, in, in Paris, France. So how, how it changed it 
I don't know, because that's the only thing I knew. It's more a question of how surprising people who seem to be floating in the same water or swimming in the same water believe that water stays stagnant, which is not what water does. Water flows. Uh, I have friends in the UK, I have friends in, in many European countries and um, from the Middle East as well. When you take other people's perspectives and personal stories and, and, and family stories, you understand the importance of randomness and luck. Whereas there is, again, this storytelling that tells you that if you don't work hard enough, or if you work hard enough, you will merit, you will be in American person or American woman and you have to do all the things well you know what depending on the countries the all the things are not the same and there are parameters which even if you are the most brilliant and hardworking person there are circumstances and the circumstances well you can't always fight them I think that what it brought me not a rage because the word is a bit strong but feeling of anger a bit when I talk to people who think that the whole world revolves around them. Everybody should live like them or think like them, which uh, sometimes, you know, is not always easy to live with. Is this constant feeling of anger and, and because um, I can be triggered very easily. Like, hello, you're not alone. Hello, that feminism is a story of the past. Hello, can you see how privileged this is? How, how can you imagine Saying that just two blocks away from where you live or where you work, how, how, how can you imagine say something like that? So all these things are super triggering for me. And also they're a fuel in a way for what I do and a filter as well. Uh, because with time, I, I don't spend so much time trying to explain everything from A to Z to people who clearly consider that the other person is a problem yeah. and the other can mean many 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 things every word in fact for everybody means something different based on their experiences and references yeah so you've pivoted your career a couple of times so how did those changes come about it's funny you say that because i don't feel like i pivoted anything it was just an evolution and i don't know how it's perceived in the u.s or in uh, North American context, but in France, many women consider that changing a good job means nearly starting starting over, especially if you change sector or the type of responsibilities you have. So basically, they, they consider that they shouldn't be building up with all their experience and the, 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 the social capital that they developed and the, you know, the wisdom and the, the failures and the learnings and all these things so that they can take the next job or the next position or the next opportunity or venture um, in a way that is super personal and exceptional and which makes them exceptional because nobody has the same exact same configuration of experiences and you know wisdom and learning etc and so in France many women consider that changing from being employed in a, a private equity firm to uh, starting a business advising mission-driven entrepreneurs to uh, buying and 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 uh, taking over a mission-driven company with, with a very strong social impact to uh, again uh, starting a new business around uh, learning and, and and teaching women how to become business angels all these things are very different that's their perspective and for me I don't feel I changed anything I just evolved and I followed 
again, people I met, I followed sometimes an, an urge that where I was you know, was not enough anymore, was not nurturing me enough or was too triggering for me sometimes. For example, in the private equity firm where I used to work for four or five years, I left because at some point, the way people in my team reacted to everyday you know, concerns and everyday challenges was totally different from mine. And you can't be the odd man out all the time. You can't be that. You have to have some overlap in the emotional reactions that you have and the, the, in the values that you convey, in the, in the choices that you make. As time goes by, and it wasn't the case at the beginning, but as time went by, I really felt I was the odd man out or odd man women. It was, you know, too heavy. And I thought, okay, this is not the place for me anymore because it's not the others who are going to change. And I don't intend to conform. It may sound a bit like theory, what I'm saying, what I'm talking about, but really it's the most human, mundane kind of process, which is talking to people and saying, hey, what, what are you working on at the moment? Hey, what are you doing? When I left that firm, I had started a year before thinking, what are my, my assets and my biggest qualities? Because I felt I was totally blind to them. The only strength that I believed I had was that I was hardworking. I was a hard worker. And that's it. Can you imagine? I was in the top business school in France. I had all sorts of great jobs and opportunities and experiences and stuff. And the only professional quality that I gave myself was that I that I worked hard. So I was blind. I was super aware of my weaknesses because people kept on throwing them at my face, take me down. But the, the, the strengths, not so much. I started asking around to people who worked with me for a long time. This ended up in a series of, of conversations, which was super interesting because I discovered that I was a creative person, which I, I, I really didn't own it. I, I didn't see it never in any of my feedback, um, you know, forms that I received in the past. Never, ever has anyone written, she's creative. Oh, interesting. For me, creative would be, oh, you know, uh, expressing yourself through art or something. Well, no, these people said you're creative because you keep on having so many ideas all the time and ideas which are so different to the ones that we have come up with solutions that weren't expected. And that's creativity. So you see a, a random conversation or an intentional conversation with people can bring you a lot of things to, to ponder and things to digest for your next step, but also it can help um, you send a signal to others that you're ready for what's next, even if you don't know it yet. No, absolutely. And sometimes people around you see you in better light, as you said, having that conversation, getting that feedback, it's a gift. Yeah, although if I may, um, the feedback that is given to women is not always super positive. And so I would take with a big grain of salt any feedback which is given formally to you in your organization. And I would look for conversations and, and dig for feedback, which is not labeled feedback. Because, you know, and I think it's one of the reasons why you started this podcast all around the world. If women in the workplace were treated fairly 
and nicely and positively and have and are would be helped to thrive by the systems and by their co-workers including other women we would know so let's not be naive so in in this process did you have any kind of mentors or sponsors that really helped you you know not just read through feedback but really help you figure out what your best next steps would be where your strengths were how you can utilize those to be honest no i had mentors and I cultivated the relationships with mentors for a very long time. I think the most powerful conversation and the most powerful breakthroughs that I had were with people who knew me a bit or who I worked with for a shorter period of time because they didn't have all the emotional burden of do you like me don't you you don't like me were we together in this and this and this project and we had to go through this and this and either we get friends or not friends or they were more exterior to conversation if you like not totally serious but a bit more and i think it brought a sense of objectivity would you say that yes which then when i collected all these information and i made a drawing out of it you know with bubbles then i went to discuss the output with a handful of mentors but i didn't ask the mentors hey what do you think before starting the process not because i didn't trust them but because i felt that i needed to have this bottom up collection of opinions on my strengths really you know in finance there are women of course but not so many at the high levels i fought a lot to open doors for other women after me you know younger ones less experienced ones less experienced ones and it came at a cost for me which i was happy to pay even though i thought it was unfair that i had to pay any price at all if people were talented why wouldn't you promote them really men or women and that was my point but i had to pay symbolic cost if you like bringing a different set of information only through strengths and qualities and not things to improve and supposedly constructive feedback and which you know can convey all sorts of manipulation and and you know shady feelings sometimes i thought it was a better a better soil to grow something to grow a conversation to grow ideas together together with my mentors because otherwise we would have kept repeating the same discussions over and over whereas here i had fresh material and say hey these people there are three persons who tell me that apparently i inspire others to take actions i didn't see myself like that what do you think i should do with that but before that i would never had the idea to even ask the question the role of sounding boards that mentors can have has it li- its limit if you don't bring fresh material to the conversation on a regular basis that's a great insight because then they can react to something that you have yes been- otherwise after a while it keeps turning on the same wheel i i have been a mentor for many many years for men and women and as time goes by with many women keeping a position of mentor a benevolent mentor is not so easy it's very tempting to take power to take control very tempting it, to me it's the responsibility of the mentee just like you know uh, mohammed ali you know the famous boxer he was jumping and running on on the ring and 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 moving all around the fact that a mentee would move and jump disturb what is expected from him or from her for me a type of conversation which is super interesting because you can you come to these conversations then with a fresh eye with oh, wow i wouldn't i would never have imagined for you to start a business in a 
impact company. Never. Wow, that's great. What are your challenges today? You know, and if the person always saw you as the brilliant finest girl, and two years later, you say, hey, I bought a business in impact. And that's what I'm doing. And I'm strongly with this and this. The person is like, what? Okay, interesting. Well, let, let, let me think with you. And then they think and they co-construct co and they co-build the solution with you. They're not placing a supposedly kind judgment or expectation on you. So moving like Mohamed Ali and not being expected and not doing things that people expect you to do, that's an expression of freedom, really. So networking. So let's talk a little bit about networking. Women, I think, hesitate to network. How have you broken that mold and what does networking look like for you? So the, the politically incorrect answer to that is that traditional networking, especially only in women's circles, is super boring for me. When I started going to networking groups for women in my early 20s, I didn't relate with their concerns or their problems. I just didn't relate. They were talking about how to find solution for their kids or, you know, complaining about what was happening with their boss at work, but only complaining and not taking action about it. And I was like, I thought it was a networking event for people in finance, let's say, uh, to do business together. So I... <laughs> I might have misunderstood the, the setting. When I went to other networking events, which were not labeled women-friendly, which basically meant that there were virtually no women at all, then I felt sometimes I didn't belong. You know, the jokes people were making, the... Um, the anecdotes that they were sharing, the, the culture that they were building together, it didn't appeal to me so much. The type of networking that I came to prefer, there are three forms. The first one is online through LinkedIn and really opening one-on-one -on -one discussions with people on an, on an intellectual basis. Like, oh, you share ideas that I feel are interesting to me. I want to learn more. This is more of a lengthy discussion. It's not a, just a, a one-shot punctual conversation, but for me, it's a form of networking because it, it, it can end up, you know, uh, maybe uh, uh, sharing a roundtable tomorrow, inviting them to your to talk to your team, covering a new book, which will help you unlock whatever. So networking to me is really building human connections with a professional light. But the basis of the story is human connection. The second one is through other you know, breakfast or lunch or whatever, a coffee with people who are doing things which are adjacent to, to what I do or who seem to be needing my help. And sometimes we won't work together and my help will be limited to a 30 minute coffee and that's okay. Sometimes it can turn into a mentoring conversation and a mentoring relationship. Sometimes it can be, oh, in fact, they were looking for a job and they didn't say it explicitly and and so we, you know, brainstormed for a moment and I, I opened three doors for them and reviewed their CV, whatever. And so it's having a moment in a container of time, which will not necessarily end up having a longer relationship, but it's more intense in a time block, if you like. I like these, especially pre-COVID, it was easier, but it's coming back slowly. I like these because it helped me try, give it a go, take a bit. And I ended up having very interesting coffees or 
you know, breakfast with people. Again, on a one-on-one -on -one setting, not so much because of what it brought me from a business or a job perspective, whatever, but sometimes to just clarify what I think through the conversation, through the questions that were asked. Oh, this person had this experience. I would never have made these choices. That is so random. Wow. Okay. Um, let me think about that. Why? Why did he decide to leave everything and go to a small town and build whatever in the small town when everything was so easy in the big city? And why did he make this choice? And it's interesting, you know, to put some to put yourself in someone else's shoes. But again, it's in a small container of time. So it's helpful because it's more intense. And then you see what happens. And the other one, the first one was more, it's broader. And the third one is in bigger events. And I'm 100% for random. So I would talk to people because uh, their name tag vaguely reminds me of the, something. I would sit in roundtables. I would uh, listen to roundtables, ask questions 100% of the time. Because it's the best way when you ask an interesting question, like a thoughtful question, and you say, hey, I'm Iman, I do whatever. This is my question for you. You have... 100, 200, 500 people who immediately spot you and say, oh, your question was so interesting. Oh, I heard that you do whatever. So that you don't have to create, you know, bizarre ways of starting a conversation with other people because in fact, they come to you. Great tips. Thank you for that. Because a lot of people are looking how to start networking. So that was awesome. I think we had kind of discussed a little bit and you work a lot with women. You're a big woman activist. So when you talk to these women what are some of the common mistakes that you see women making and what should we stay away from common mistake is around the question of money sometimes believing that the system is not flawed <laughs> and that you will be compensated exactly for the value that you bring to the table and that you don't necessarily need to ask for it you don't necessarily need to ask for it when it's not allowed you only ask for it in specific times which are decided by your hierarchy you would consider that finally uh, the money you earn is not your money is your family's money i'm not sure if it's 100% a mistake, but I feel it's a misconception more than a mistake. Way too many women expect that if they follow the rules, things will turn out well for them. When again, in business, in, in the workplace, and in business for entrepreneurs, it doesn't. And no, there's not any grand scheme of things where, oh, uh, you lost this time, maybe next time it will be. No, 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 no. You go for it every single time. You go for it. You get it. And if you manage to get more than what you expected, good. Take it. If the person wants to pay you more than you imagine, ask even more. Go for it. And if the person is disturbed that the fact that you want that much money, well, really, it's their problem. And to me, it's a big red flag. You're not the problem. You're not greedy. You're not the bad person because the probability that a woman in the workplace would ask for a crazy amount of money out of greed is so low, so low that I can easily take the bet that you're being exploited. Take that money. Otherwise, it will be given to someone else who doesn't necessarily deserve it. Or take that budget. It's not only salary. Also, take that. Go and fight for having means for your team so that you can have a team, a division, a branch, whatever your responsibility and your scope is, 
that can really thrive so that you can show that when women lead, they can do wonders. And not only because they can do wonders with such a small budget. No, it's because they thrive with small budgets that they need to have more money because betting on them is a good investment. So it's not, oh, it's okay. I will manage. Don't worry about it. I know it's difficult here. No, 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 not, not that. Not that story. Exceeded my results. I have a crazy return, whatever. Um, the other division. Yeah, maybe they need more money, but it's not my problem, really. <laughs> it's not my problem. And again, if your bosses or the company you work with doesn't value the fact that you're a great addition, your great potential, and they have to do everything in their power to keep you and to help you thrive, you're not in the right place. And they're not doing you a favor. You are doing them a favor. I used to organize, when I started, I, I used to work in an audit firm and I organized so many things on the side for the team. And, it, and I wasn't the boss. I mean, I was just one person among others. It's just that I cared for the trainings and the well-being of the team. I organized um, several internal trainings because I was tired of, of constantly repeating on the engagements the same information over and over again, because clearly people were not trained correctly. So I said, hey, let me do a training for everybody. But I didn't ask for more money. I didn't ask for a specific title. I didn't even ask for any recognition. I just did it because I thought, oh, I need to do it. It's for the team. And everybody considered that, yes, do it. You want to do it? Do it. But don't expect anything from us. And that's a problem. And I did it several times. I developed um, a concept of uh, sharing lunches with uh, all sorts of super cool activities uh, with junior and senior members of the team and other activities as well. And uh, the only thing I asked was a meeting room, which were free. So I asked really out of politeness, the authorization for uh, the boss's uh, assistant to send an email once a month and a budget to buy for 20 or 30 people sandwiches. That's all I asked for. And it worked really, really well. And I was so stupid and silly and naive because really it was the work of people who were supposed to be doing HR and trainings. And I was doing it for free. And to this day, nearly 15 years later, this concept uh, has been deployed all over Europe. When it started just as Imen having an idea and wanting to have people share more and interact more with one another from different divisions and giving juniors the opportunity to, um, to talk in public as early as possible and own the success of their team. That's the, the initial idea. Big misconception, it's not because you can do it with a small budget that you need to stick on that small budget. Go for the bigger one. And the bigger the budget, <laughs> the more impact you can have. Exactly. And But when you're scrappy, when you're industrious, when you're smart, when you know the value of cash, why would you ask for 100 if you can do it for 10? Maybe it's because the uh, the ambition wasn't high enough and so again reframing this with okay i will start with 10 but if after x uh, period of time it works well i will go for 100 let's ask for 100 and let's try with the pilot at 10 and the conversation is totally different then this was like great advice great tips for our listeners but any closing comments one of the things i didn't insist on enough was the power of uh, being curious, open to what comes your way. I think there is a muscle of boldness that every woman has in her personal life when things go sour, that we should really 
build up as early as possible in business or in the workplace because there will be many failures there will be many traps and things which go not so well and you know missed opportunities and everything but all these missed opportunities they existed only because you were brave enough to see them to spot them and to take them and out of 10 20 100 missed opportunities like wasted or failed you only need one you only need one big breakthrough just one you need to keep trying and keep trying and learning from these failures and problems and which means muscling and, and and working on that muscle of audacity of boldness and it's not taking risks just for the sake of risks it's seeing that things could be very different in your business in your life in the impact that you have a year from now if you decide to say yes, they can be very different. A lot of ambition, of ambition in, in what I'm saying, but also a lot of humility because we don't know. You don't know. Yes, you're afraid. Oh, it's crazy. Oh my God, am I capable of doing that? Okay, let's go for it. Okay, I don't know. Okay, I need to find people. Okay, all these, these balances. In the end, I would advise people to say yes go for it well thank you so much for your time and all the great um, observations experiences and tips for our listeners really appreciate it thank you so much Amy. thank you i was very happy to share with you